Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. So you and I have known each other a very long period of time. Uh, you know, you know, we give each other grief. You give me more grief than I give you. So here, so here is my question. Here, here is my question. After we talked the first time, and we had like an like an hour long interview, and I tell you, hey man, I accidentally deleted, or it got deleted. What's your thought? Like, 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 like. <laughs> you know, editing photography. And, uh, you know, doing that kind of thing. I think whenever you're, you're doing, you know, creative work on a computer, that's always a risk, right? And I'm terrible about backing things up as well. I, I'm not saying you are. I am. <laughs> so for me, um, it's almost to be expected. You know, like, it didn't surprise me. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel put off or like, oh, typical Evan or anything like that. It was just, oh, okay, yeah, we'll do it again. See, I was hoping your answer was going to be, to be honest, yeah, man, it's yeah. part for the course with you. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, there is some truth to that, right? <laughs> oh, There's that's why I, I asked the question. Yeah, 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 yeah. But my, I mean, I, I really thought about the question you asked me, which was I wasn't really, I was just like, <laughs> so, okay. And so where this kind of takes an interesting turn is, so we do that interview and it really went well. We went off in a lot of really cool directions. And, I, and, and, and you know, obviously I plan to interview you more. Um, but then tried to reschedule it. And then you said to me, let me see how I feel. I'm, I'm sick. And so my, in, in my mind, COVID, I didn't think, like, this was before the surge. And, and, and it wasn't like, like, there wasn't that point in the months where we were starting to hear, Hey, this person has COVID and that person has COVID. Right. And so then you were like, I remember you saying like, okay, so then we're like, okay, let's see if, you know, let's do the interview on this day. I'll see how I feel. And then right. interview day came and you were like, dude, I, I can't do it. And then I hit you up again. And I was like, Hey, how are you feeling? And then that's when you told me that you had COVID and then from there, we it, it wasn't that we didn't speak, but from there, things changed for you. And so however much you want to tell me. Yeah, um, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Okay, walk, walk me through it as someone who I had COVID, but it was really mild. It was right around the time mm. in June. I mean, Steve, it, it, it like so mild that I, I, stayed, I stayed home from work. I work in education. But I was able to do distance learning. I worked all through it. And then when my 10 days were up, I went back to work. But you were going through it. You were, you were beginning to reach the better point of it. But 
what what happened? Because what a lot of people may not know is, or maybe they do, but you also had pneumonia. You had double pneumonia. Right, right. So um, you, you got any more before I? Oh no, 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 no! I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up. Okay. It's, it's all yeah, it's no, all I'm you. Good. All good. So um, yeah, you contacted me right when I first started feeling sick, and um, I really didn't want to do it under the weather, you know. But honestly, I just thought I was under the weather. I had been working since day one of the, you know, the pandemic shutdown um, and had no issues. Now, the facility I work in had had a couple of cases. Everything was mild like it is for most people. Um, two months before I got it, my youngest son got it. Okay. And, uh, and he was asymptomatic. We had gone to a hockey tournament in uh, Wisconsin. And uh, we traveled together. We we slept in the same bed together. We took precautions, but when we were in our room, it was just he and I. So for all intents and purposes, I should have got it too, but I didn't. And no one in the family got it. And I only got him tested when he came back because it turns out that um, Wisconsin, specifically Green Bay, was a hotbed for COVID at that time. So after we were home for a few days, I was telling my wife, hey, let's get him tested just because. You know, and she's like, seems like a waste, but okay. Sure enough, he tested positive. He was positive for three weeks, but never showed any any sickness. So admittedly, at that point, between what I had experienced at work and with with my son, who was 12 at the time, um, I was just kind of like, how bad is this? You know, like, I started like, I, I mean, I'm a practical person. I, I don't just listen to one side of the news media, you know, like I read, um, you know, uh, different points of view and try and come to conclusions and, and all that. But it just seemed to me like there was so much media hype behind it at that point. I knew it was real, but I just thought, well, as long as I'm not like in bad health, then the worst I'm going to get is this. Okay. Now, all, all I'm saying about that is I think that occasionally I would let my guard down. So I was really good when I was in public or at work about wearing my mask and social distancing and all that. Um, I Could I have been better? Yes. And that's kind of the point, my long way to getting to that, right? So um, anyways, a couple months later, I start feeling sick. The issue with this is I always get sick between Thanksgiving and New Year's every year, like clockwork. So I thought, oh, here's my annual cold, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm going to go get checked because I, I work with people, you know, so I want to make sure I'm not going in to work dirty, you know? Right. And so I went in, I started feeling sick on a sat on a Saturday, I think it was, or maybe it was Friday, whatever it was. Um, and it progressively went from like, uh, it started as, as like we had, it was Friday night. We had Chipotle late on Friday night. And, or, you know, like a late dinner, like nine o'clock at night, I got diarrhea. So you have to go, well, Chipotle, you know, like right. it happens, right? you know? So I didn't really put two and two together. Then the next day, um, I spent out a really busy uh, day of hockey. I drove him to practice. I was in Torrance and I was outside. It was cold because um, we couldn't go into the hockey rink because that was one of the stipulations for COVID, right? So the kids could go in and practice with masks on, but the parents couldn't go inside. No big deal. All I'm saying is I was outside for a long period of time and it was pretty chilly. 
So when I got home, like I was really cold, but I thought it was because I was cold. You know what I mean? What I was having was the chills. And then the next day he had the same practice schedule, same thing. This time I brought a jacket and I was prepared for it to be cooler. Um, And I was fine all day. And then again, in the evening when I got home, chill. Now I'm like, okay, something's up. So I took my temperature, 101. Damn. Okay. I'm getting sick. I am getting sick. So I called my boss early Monday morning and said, Hey, look, I'm, I was running a fever last night. I'm going to go get a COVID test. He's like, all right, cool. You know, let us know how it goes. Hopefully it's nothing and you're back to work. Yeah. Great. Go get my test. Um, feeling at this point on Monday, I'm feeling pretty terrible. Like I feel like I have the flu, like full blown. So I, I get my test Tuesday late afternoon, early evening. I get my positive results. I'm like, oh shit. Right. Okay. Well, this is what seems to be the worst of what people I know get it. So again, I wasn't very worried. Um, so what happened from there is I progressively got worse. Body aches got really bad. Like um, my eyeballs hurt in a way, like it almost felt like I was lifting weights with my eyelids. Is the best way I can describe it because like if I look side to side or up and down, it really, it hurt up in the top part of my eye socket bad. So my body aches were getting worse. My temperature would not break. Like I would just sit at 101. It didn't matter if I took aspirin, Advil, ibuprofen, anything. So eventually it ended up being like, um, you know, I'm, I'm in pretty bad shape. And my wife started noticing that I was walking kind of hunched over, like just like bent at the hips, you know? And so we were just came to the agreement. Maybe we should go to the emergency room. So we went to the emergency room on like a Thursday afternoon. And, and, you're, um, and you're, you're experiencing, because I remember when we were texting kind of during this time, I remember you explicitly saying the tightness in your chest. You're all, my chest feels tight. And so I just, yeah. I, I just was like remembering that. Please yeah, no, I, and I, and again, you're going to remember some stuff that I don't because, right? Yeah, oh, totally. Uh, honestly, I've lost a lot of my memory from that time. Um, so, um, you were at there. the ER. Yeah. I'm at the ER. I'm in like the triage that they set up outside. So, um, they, you know, they do the typical stuff. I'm sitting in this like circus tent looking thing. They check my pulse, they take my temperature. They um, check my blood oxygen level and they roll out a portable x-ray machine and they x-ray my chest, which didn't occur to me at the time. Like it was strange to me, but of course I totally understand now. So anyways, they came back around and said, Hey, look, you've got double pneumonia, but my blood oxygen level was fine. So they basically gave me some antibiotics and said, here's your prescriptions. Take these, follow the directions. If you start feeling worse, come back immediately. Pretty typical ER speak, I think, in my experience anyways. Not that I have a lot of it. Um, So go home Thursday evening. um, No problem. I mean, I just feel the same. I'm not getting better. I'm not really getting worse. Um, I'm confined to my room and my, you know, my, the bathroom attached to my room because I'm positive with COVID. So I'm isolated from my family. And um, I get a call from a friend of mine saying, Hey, my, my, uh, my cousin's a nurse 
you really need to get a blood ox, uh, an oximeter. I forget what the exact thing is. Anyways, the thing you put on the end of your finger that me measures your blood oxygen in your pulse. And I was like, you know, okay, sure. You know, like I didn't even, I, I fortunately, my friend picked up that I wasn't taking it seriously. I was just like, okay, sure, right? So <clears throat> she kept texting me, did you get it? Did you get it? Did you order one on Amazon? Did you this? Did you that? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just laying in bed. I'm, you know, like, I'm fine. And really, I was. I was just sick. I just felt sick. I didn't feel crazy. Um, so finally, she shoots me a text and says, I just dropped one off in your mailbox. I want to make sure you have one. Please use it and check yourself out. So remember, I'm, like, in bed. Like, I'm only getting up to use the restroom. And then my wife would, like, drop food off and set it on the dresser in the room. Then I would stand up and pick it up and sit down and eat. So it was like streaming video, eating, and using the restroom. That was the extent of my movement, which wasn't much. How many so, days in are you at this point? So my positive was on Monday, and now we're on Saturday evening. Okay. So um, so I, I finally crack out the blood oximeter. I read everything. Okay, here's the scale of this is good or normal, and this is uh, low, but okay. And this is bad. So, um, you know, it's basically like almost like exactly like a grading scale, you know, like 90 to hundred is thumbs up <laughs> 80 to 90 is, uh, it's all right. You know, anything below this is terrible. I'm throwing numbers out there. Do your own research. They're out there and available for everybody to look at. I'm, I'm a little bit off because if you're at 80, they want you in the hospital, believe me. Right. But I'm just trying to paint a picture of the scale kind of works like that, right? So I put this thing on, and it comes up 72. Now, this thing's got to be broken. I take it off, let it sit for a few minutes, turn it back on, put it on 75. I'm laying in bed. I'm not doing anything, and it's that low. So I'm like, this doesn't seem right. I've been taking my medication, doing what the ER told me. And then so I call my wife, and I'm like, here, put this stupid thing on and tell me what it says. Within seconds, 99. So I'm like... Okay, call Ben in here. That's my 12-year-old. Call him in here. He comes in. He puts it on. 98. I put it back on. 75. Shit. So, let's go. I knew, like, just from, you know, reading the instructions and multiple articles on, you know, that I Googled, that I was in a very dangerous range. Right. We head down there. As soon as they put their oximeter on me, they're like, oh, we need to get him in immediately, you know? So I, I literally was in the, you know, being checked into the hospital permanently for within seconds of being there, minutes of being there, you know? Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm walking on my own power, right? I'm not moving great, but I'm, I'm moving, you know? Um, How was your breathing? Breathing? You know, even at that time, it didn't, it didn't seem that bad, you know, like it really didn't. My chest was tight, like if you had a chest cold, you know? Right. So I, I wasn't really, I've never had pneumonia. I've never really had any real health issues. I had appendicitis when I was 15, 16. And then, uh, you know, uh, you know, stitches here, whatever, you know, like that was the extent of my medical prowess, you know, like, okay. So I walk into the ER and I, I'm blown away. Like it is literally like zombie apocalypse 
like there's beds between beds, pouring every it's like things where they don't belong. They it's overcrowded. There's there's elderly people just splayed out on beds with intubated. And it's what I tell people is it's one thing to see it on TV. It's another thing when you're there and you can see the stress on the nurses, the respiratory therapists, the doctors, like everybody's trying to put on a good face, right? But really you can see people are terrorized. They're, they're terrified, period. And so I'm kind of like, is this where I'm going? You know, like, okay. So then the wheels start turning, right? Right. But I, I really don't feel any different. I just know that my numbers are bad at this point, right? And then literally within four hours of being in the hospital, I just go nose down, you know, like they're in my, when they get me into my own room, then there's like conversation between respiratory therapists, doctors, nurses about intubating. So for me, right, wrong, or indifferent, intubation meant death. Like that's the way I viewed it at that moment. So I'm, I now go into like, negotiations. Hey, can we, is there anything else we can do besides intubation? And they basically said, look, we'll work with you as much as we can, but the bottom line is we have to get you oxygenated properly. Otherwise your organs are going to start failing. So when we're okay, talking uh, intubation, are we, okay. Cause I remember the, the, the pictures of you oxygen in your nose and yeah. all that. Is that intubation or because when I'm no, okay. It, that's it's down the throat. And you're out yeah. for that because I, I just, right. I remember with my mother. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I had experience with that too, with my, my neighbor, who's basically our surrogate grandfather to our kids. He went through a, um, he had a heart attack. And so I had to watch him be intubated and I knew plus all the people, you know, I take that, that experience plus all the people I'm seeing in the ER and it's like, I don't want this. Right. I don't want this at all. So um, they go, we're going to try a CPAP machine on you. And I've never used one. I have no experience with it. And so I was like, okay, great. As long as it's not intubation, I'm, I'm good, you know? And so then it became, um, uh, like me trying to work with this, this machine I've never worked with. And I was having a really hard time with it. I literally was like, by this time it's like four in the morning. So I'm, I'm like when I'm breathing out, it's trying to force air in and vice versa. And I'm just struggling, struggling, struggling. So when the respiratory therapist comes back in, I'm like, hey, is there anything else we can do besides intubating me? This really isn't working for me. And they're just like, ah, you know, I don't know. Um, let me see if there's a high flow um, oxygenator uh, available for you. And if there is, we'll try that. But again, you know, like we need to get you up into the 90s and keep you there. Okay. So fortunately, to your point earlier, it hadn't completely exploded. I was like one of the, I was on the front end of it. You know what I mean? Before it really got into that bad month, right? So um, they bring that in, they crank it to max. What I don't know how many liters per hour or minute it was, but it was maxed out. And they were able to get me to like 91, like hit it 91, 92. And they were fine with that. Okay. We'll work with you on this. So I don't, if the, the pictures you're, you're thinking of are the one where I have the really thick tube going across my face. Right. It's like almost the size of a garden hose. It's not the clear cannules that most people get that you're accustomed to seeing in like movies and whatnot. Um, I graduated to those eventually, but for mm, probably about a minimum of 50%, probably more like 
seventy percent of my hospital stay, I was on the high flow. And so, at anyways, this, um, at this point in your thought process, are you like this? I'm I'm able to be at ninety percent because of this machine, and without this machine, like, were you worried at all about like, oh, this? What if what if something happens to this machine? What uh, like I mean, what was your? I mean, because I, I can't imagine what your thought process is, but you're a very rational person. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I will say probably being uh, mentally strong really helped me through this process because at the end of the day, this was the biggest part of it. I mean, clearly there's medical struggles, but the mental aspect of it was very, very difficult. And uh, I, I couldn't stress that enough when I was speaking to people. I don't know if you were if you were watching my electronic journaling that I eventually started. Doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All of it. When I, when, when I started that though, that was when I could start it because before that moment I couldn't put together a coherent sentence. Like I was screwed up, you know? So anyways, I got off the beaten track. Oh no, no, no. So like, they had gotten you to 90% and yeah. then, yeah. And so we're, so, and so, so we're I can't, I can't say that I, I was like, Oh, this machine is, is a necessary part of my life. I didn't understand at that point if it was going to be overnight, if it was going to be a couple of nights or what it would be. And, um, you know, then it became a big part of my life for a while. And my health got worse, even when they started hitting me with the, uh, the antiviral, uh, I forget how to say it, rem, rems of diver or whatever it is. Um, I took that inter intravenously for five days and I still got worse. But I think even though I was feeling worse, my, my, because they're just, constantly taking blood from you to, to monitor different levels. Um, they're jacking me up on steroids. They're giving me a diviral intravenously. Um, I'm taking a, like actually the same exact vitamin regimen I was on at home during COVID, which was known to be helpful, which was the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, blah, 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 that I think the CDC recommended, um, at that time. So, um, they had me on, so many steroids that I became diabetic in in the hospital. Wow! So like the first time it was brought to my attention, a nurse just started talking to me like I was diabetic, and I was like, "What? What are you talking about? I just had a physical like a month ago. I'm not diabetic." And so she's like, "Well, you are now. You know, blah blah blah." And and, and that was it. And and so then when my doctor came into the room later that evening, I was just like, "Hey, what's going on?" He's like, "Oh, that's us. We have you on." such a high steroid dose that it's pushed you into that. Once you come out, we wean you off the steroids, you'll go back to normal. Oh, okay. Because you're, you're A1, C1, or whatever that number is that they use. The marker, they could see that I wasn't diabetic. And basically, whatever they look at, looks at it somehow is like more like a history of where you're at. I don't know. But anyways. Um, well, you know, and it's, so, and it's interesting just because at this point, I remember texting you, and as your friend on the outside looking in, what uh, scared me the most, honestly, mm -hmm. was the length of time I was getting texts back that were, I'm not feeling any better. Like, I was like, holy shit. This is like, because it wasn't yeah. two weeks. It wasn't like the 10 days. It was It was weeks. And I'm just sitting there going like, like this has to turn for him eventually. Like it just has to. So I'm sorry, please continue. I, I, I just, no, no. And that was a difficult situation too, because 
I, I definitely made a decision when I realized how bad things were that I did not want to bother people with it because the year was, and, and again, you know, I'm going to use the same term, right, wrong, or indifferent. In my mind, everybody was already dealing with this in one way or another. Their lives were disrupted. Everything was, you know, chaotic in different ways in people's lives, whether they had family members with it or new people, you know, friends, whatever, or just they lost their jobs or they're working remotely or their kids are always home or whatever, whatever that is. On top of that, we were going into the holidays, right? And I was just, I, I just thought, I don't want to burden people with my health issues while they're burdened with dealing with a pandemic with their families during the holidays. So I, I took a little bit of flack over that from people that are close to me. Um, but I really, it was coming from, a, in my mind, a good place. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, because at that point, there was definitely two days where I thought, I've lost. And it wasn't that I quit. I just felt like, I, I've lost. This is, I'm losing. I hope I have everything done for my family so they can, you know, live a normal life without me. Um, if you don't mind me asking, did you start making, like, I, I remember my father with my mother in the hospital, like my dad called it making arrangements. Like, did you start right. any of that or did you like, uh, or, well, or was it, you, you know, I have, I have insurance policies and stuff like that, but I don't have a will, but my wife is on all my stuff. So it's kind of like, okay. Right. So that, but also too, I was in such bad shape. I wasn't coherent enough to start like right. dealing with like anything beyond what was already in place. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, um, we're at the holidays now. You're not, you're, yeah, we're you're not holidays, telling Christmas people. Eve, so my wife's kind of downplaying it with my kids. Oh, um, you know, I, I, at the time my kids were, uh, 20, 19 and 12. So, um, now they're 21, 19 and, and 13. So, um, she was kind of downplaying it. She was having to do everything. And it's one of those things, right? Like, you know, my wife always wants me to do more than I do. And I get it right. Like, and I want her to do more than she's doing and blah, blah, blah. But I handle all the hockey stuff with Ben and, it, and he's a very busy kid. You know, like he's, his, his travel hockey is very demanding, um, especially right now during the pandemic. And so there were tri trips planned to other states for tournaments and blah, blah, blah. And so she's taking all that on. And, you know, she's got to book the travel. She's got to get the rental car. She's got to get the hotel, you know, and, and, and all the stuff. But this is all stuff she's not used to doing for him with him. You know what I mean? Um, so besides her own, like her pushing down her own, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Concern. You know, she's also trying to downplay it with the kids. And, uh, and so they finally see me on Christmas Eve, which was, so the two days where I thought I, I, I mean, I sound so, I, I feel weird saying this. There was two days that I thought I was going to die. They were the day before Christmas Eve and, and the, the day before the day before Christmas Eve. So I'm coming off the lowest point into Christmas Eve and FaceTime with your dad that you haven't seen, um, you know, in, Let's see, I went in on the 19th, I think it was, or the 18th. Now we're talking about December 24th. Right. And they see me, and I've got 
heart monitors and tubes all over me. I mean, you saw the pictures. Yeah, yeah. And I could just see like how bad it made everybody on the other end of the the technology. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't really talk, you know, like too much because I would run out of breath. Um, it was hard to see my family around a Christmas tree in my home. And at this point, I definitely knew I wasn't dying, but I don't know what the quality of my life is going to be. And to some degree, I still don't. Um, but just watching them on Christmas Eve and, and Christmas Day, and Christmas Day wasn't as bad, but it was still, you just, it, it's tough to see your family, like, feeling sorry for you. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so, anyway. You know, I, I end up doing New Year's and all that in there, too. Basically, the whole holiday, um, I, I don't think, and that's, I think I started journaling it on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. I think that's when I finally could kind of felt like I could present it. And I basically, um, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, even though you saw it, I basically made a, a, an art project out of it. I had my phone. I would take a photo of something. And then I would write, you know, a commentary. COVID on, update, day, day, yeah, day yeah. one. Yeah, day, yeah, 14 or whatever. So, um, but literally, quite literally, um, besides when I first checked into the hospital, to write, write about those couple of days before Christmas, I, I don't remember any of that. And then there's things that are spotty between there and when I got out. Um, you know, I had forgotten that you and I had, spoke about doing an interview even um, because we'd already done it and you'd told me everything that happened and we'd set up another day. And now that you mentioned it, then I was like, oh yeah, I did have to tell him, hey, I'm not feeling very well. Let's try another day. Uh, no, I'm feeling worse. So definitely not, whatever. Um, so here we are and I'm alive and I'm about, I'd say I'm about 70% of my normal self. I can live life fully and completely. I just, and doing it slower. And like, for example, I play men's league hockey. I can't do that right now. I just, I, I'd take like three strides and have to turn around and go back to the bench. How, so, how about going like, to like work and stuff like that? Are you working a reduced schedule? Are you working split? Maybe working home so, a little bit? Yeah. So I would say that I'm probably working almost 40 hours a week now. And this is my fourth week back. Um, but I, I came back and did like 20. Then I did 25. Then I did 30. And here I am now. Right. So. Um, I was working from home. My, my, my job was very good to me and, uh, didn't, didn't, uh, take all my vacation time while I was out. Um, That's they basically awesome. just, just asked me to answer a couple emails a day and put on a good, like show for anybody who was disconnected from me and what I had done. My, basically my boss said, Hey, look, even you're all through COVID, you haven't missed any days. You've been very helpful. I want to take care of you. And my boss wants to take care of you. So they did. And uh, that was, it was great. It was super helpful. Now, at what point, okay, so you're talking like the 24th, 25th, you knew that you were kind of out of the woods and you were saying um, about a, wondering about the quality of life. You're saying that it still affects you. And the only reason that I bring this up is I remember one of your first videos when you got out, you were walking around in the backyard yeah. and you just didn't, obviously, because of your lungs, you didn't sound like you. Like, between every word, you could hear it. Yeah. And so, 
I mean, what's crazy is there was all that time you spent dealing with COVID. And then there was that rehab process. So how long was, I mean, even though now you're still taking it easy, but how long was the, you know, before you could start working from home and doing all that stuff? Like, like how long was that process? I went to work exactly one day after three months of my positive diagnosis. Gotcha. I was, so I was diagnosed on December 15th as positive, and I was back at work um, on March 16th. Now, um, if you don't mind me asking, have you been vaccinated? Are you, are you? Yeah, so I have my second shot um, this Thursday. Gotcha. Um, I got the Pfizer vaccination. And again, you know, I mean, this just comes down to my infectious disease doctor saying, hey, look, you know, you're going to be quite likely going to be very immune, super immune, if you will. But scientifically, we can't tell you for how long. Right. So my, my advice is that even though we, we also can't scientifically tell you with the vaccine because at least you get it and you get a boost in what you've already built. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I just was, you know, like for me, the hardest part about COVID besides the mental aspects of it is nobody can give you any answers. Like it's still, um, it's still young in, in terms of, you know, illnesses. And then it's even more so for people to get it as bad as I did, what they call a long hauler. Right. Um, in the COVID community. So, um, so yeah, uh, it was, uh, I'm sorry, this happens to me too. I lose my train of thought mid sentence. Please help me out. Oh, no, 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 no. I, it, it was more, um, kind of knowing, um, your. Oh, when I got back. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I, okay. So, so yeah, I mean, so I was, on oxygen up until about a week before I went back to work. And when I say on oxygen, so like when I first got home, there's a couple things I want to say about this. They wouldn't let Number you one, come home unless you, I'm, I'm saying, right? Okay, okay, okay. I, I just remember. Right, I, say, I couldn't come home until the oxygen was at my house. And, you know, there's the converter that just basically sucks oxygen out of the air and then pushes it through, you know, your typical clear cannule. And then I had an emergency one in case I needed to like get in the car and go somewhere. And, you know, like when it, it wasn't necessarily for when I went on walks, but I, I used it. I took it with me as a safety valve because I knew what, I knew how bad I was, you know what I mean? And just to put it in perspective, like between whatever COVID does to your lungs and, and the, the double pneumonia, my lungs were scorched or just done. So anyways, uh, when I first got home, I couldn't walk five houses down. I couldn't do it. So then I got, to, I just kept, but I kept working on it, kept working on it. I'd have to wear oxygen. Then I could walk and drag the oxygen tape with me. And if I got, if I got to a point where I started to know my body to a point where without even putting on the oximeter, which I carried in my pocket, I know that my blood oxygen was dropping dangerously low in the, in the way that my heart, there was a correlation between my heart rate and my blood oxygen level, you know what I mean? Right. So I can walk and start, you know, like building on it and building and building. And then I got to a point where um, it took me a while. I want to say it took me about a month to be able to walk around the block. And then even at that, I'd get home. My, my heart rate would be like 150 from walking, not even full pace because I couldn't even do that. 
I'd have to sit down and I'd put the oximeter on. It would take me six to eight minutes to recover. And recovery would be getting my heart rate down to 100 or lower and my blood oxygen back in the 90 or above. Right. That was my that was the parameter I set for myself set for myself. So now, like if I'm to, like now I can walk two miles at a time. If I was to do that and just come home and sit down on the couch and put the oximeter on, it would take me 30 seconds to recover, maybe on a bad day. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So I'm better, but I like I went up uh, a flight of stairs today at work. I had to go up on like this mezzanine thing, and um. By the time I got to the top, it doesn't hit me right away. Like I get to the top, I feel normal. And then within like 10 seconds, like it all kind of crushes in on me. I've got to take it easy for a second. Okay, now I'm fine. Do what I was going to do up here, go down. Going down, no problem. Going up, problem. But, um, and, and problems a little overstated. I just have to be conscious of what I'm doing because the thing that happens to me now is as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm assuming I sound exactly like myself. Right sound now. great. Yeah. 100%. So there was a long time where I didn't. Right. For over three months, I didn't like, and that's when I knew it was okay to go back to work because I'd be on zoom meetings for work and, and people would comment like, man, you, you are almost sounding like yourself again. And I didn't even like, it had been so long for me. I didn't know what I sounded like anymore either. So, um, so anyways, yeah, it took, um, so I was in the hospital for, we'll call it a month. I was at home for almost two months to get to the point where I could go in and work that 20 hour week. And, uh, you know, I, I work in a distribution facility. I run a distribution facility, about 250,000 square feet, the portion that I have, uh, you know, that's my responsibility. And so I walk around in there and when I walk, there's a lot of power equipment, a lot of movement. So I walk briskly. I walk with purpose. You right. know what I mean? So what happens is I'm sitting, talking to somebody like you, I feel great. I, I feel absolutely 100% normal. But then I get up and I walk through the warehouse and I start moving too quickly too, and I, I don't take a break. And then all of a sudden it closes on me. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel as bad as I used to, which was quite literally, I felt like I was suffocating, you know, like I felt like probably what I'm guessing it feels like to be underwater and not be able to breathe, you know? Oh, wow, wow. So, um, you know, the hardest parts are behind me now. And I'm just hoping that within the next few months, that I get back to 100% or really close to it. Um, Where would you say you are now? Like if you could give a percentage. About 70. I, I guess me to be about 70%. Gotcha. Which is good. You know, like I could live my life like this if I had to. I don't want to, but I could. But if you would have asked me, I had some dark days, you know, um, before I went back to work where you start under, well, I think everybody at face value could say they understand like, assisted suicide, mm. you know, for elderly people who are terminally ill. When you're in a situation where your health is taken from you in the manner that it was taken from me, you really start to identify with that. I, I, I you know, I had a couple of meltdowns, one in particular that I'm embarrassed of, but it's, you know, again, I'm an open book, so I'm going to be honest about it, where I literally like threw an oximeter across the house, which is very unlikely. I'm not a guy who throws things, no, no. punches walls or anything like that. And I said this, I, I just yelled at my wife, this is no way to live. Nobody, nobody should live like this. You know, one thing, uh, one thing about, um, that you said that I really related to when, when I had COVID was just that whole idea of, it wasn't so much that I didn't want to bother people with it, but it was just thinking like, okay, 
It's really mild for me right now. I don't want to tell people how mild it is, and then all of a sudden it takes a turn, and then it's and then it becomes something. So like those first, and I mean literally comparing what I went through to what you went through, it's like I'm literally like it's it's like I, a glass of water to a swimming pool. But yeah. it's like those first five days. I remember every night I went to bed those first five days, and I I don't know if you thought about this at all, but it was like waking up the next morning or wondering what's it going to be like tonight when I'm, am I going to wake up and suddenly not be able to breathe? How am I going to feel the next morning? And it wasn't until I got past like the half, like, you know, the fifth day that I was, I was like, okay, am I okay to start wondering, is this, is, is this going to be my experience with it? And, right. and right. so, which fortunately it was, and it and is most people, you know, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for that because, I don't wish my worst enemy what I've, what I've dealt with, you know, honestly, I, I know that's cliche, but it's the truth. It's terrible. Nobody, nobody should have to deal with what I, what I've gone through. Well, and then you brought no. up the headache and that's the one oh. thing that hit me the worst. Steve, I literally felt, and this is the weirdest way to describe it. Like I felt that I was over here and my head was like, was like yeah. disconnected from my body. Right. Well, I, I can see the look on your face when I brought it up and how much it hit you. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's just it's right like here. Insanity. Yeah. And then when you talk about like the lingering effects for about the for about three weeks to a month after every so often, just randomly, I would suddenly get really hot. I would suddenly get back to normal. Yeah. And then and then I would just. I don't know. I never had the shortness of breath, dude. My fever Good. never got over ninety-seven. So, Good. I mean, not fever, my temperature, but it was, it yeah. was, it was just like that. That the lingering effects of this are, and, and 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 that's the thing is that for you, it sounds like so. In addition to your whole battle with this, the lingering effects were an equally prolonged battle. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm so I'm still dealing with what they're terming COVID brain, right? Like mm-hmm. I'll be mid sentence and completely forget what I was talking about. Um, and and it's, it's more than just being distracted and being 52 years old, right? Like that's part of the course as well. I've got some of that, but I was used to that. This is different. This is in addition to that, you know what I mean? Um, and it's very frustrating, you know, like sometimes I just got to ask someone to bail me out. The guy doing the podcast, they bail me out here. I, I lost track of where I was at, you know? Well, you seem, I mean, honestly, like when you came on and I saw you, I'm like, he, he looks great. And I mean, you sound great. And I mean, but now let's say like when this is over after this, will you have to wait a little bit before just like standing up? Nah, like I'm okay. sitting down talking to you. I'll hop up and my kid's out shooting bucks in the backyard. I'll go out there and mess with him a minute. That will wear me out. Gotcha. Quickly. But, you know, I, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to stay engaged in his life and everybody's life here um you know i'll probably help my wife make dinner you know something like that um moving around the kitchen gets me sometimes weird weird innocuous things get me you know like things i wouldn't expect to do you know um but yeah it's been it's been quite a trip (laughs) now have you had any moments of let's say you wake up in the morning and you have like a headache and you go oh my gosh do i have it again have you had like any kind of thoughts because 
I yeah. am still yeah. taking the vitamin regimen that you spoke yeah, of. Me I'm too. still doing that. Yeah. I still have a thermometer that I keep handy. Anytime I feel anything out of the ordinary, I'm checking myself. And it's, and yeah. it's, so, yeah. Yeah, um, for me, I'm still on the vitamin regimen, right? Um, the biggest side effect that, that causes me to pause is like last night. I just sleep terribly. My, my sleep has become so bad. Um, when that, I first came out of the hospital. Are you going to bed easily and then waking up like a few hours later and then like unable to get back to bed? And then like, like what is, can a you just, because that happened to me of, like for like for yeah. about, for about a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, I thought that it was just tied to the hospital and just being up every two hours, getting blood, right. being poked and prodded and checked. And I just kind of, in the hospital, you know, like I was telling you, the mental battle, right? So for me, um, at first, I was in my own room. Then I was in a my um, my bed faced the door that went out the main hallway in the COVID ward. So um, there was two to four people dying every day. You know, constant code blues going on get somebody resuscitated, go back, then someone else, then back to that same person, and then here comes a gurney with a sheet over it, you know? But when you factor that in, the sounds, the smells, not knowing if it's day or night unless you're looking at your watch or watching a, something, you know, looking at your phone or whatever, I just kind of thought that's what it was. I just got out of my, I forget what they, the technical term is for night and day and your body's reaction to them, right? Right. But, um, so when I got home, I thought I was just having a hard time adjusting back to normal life. And then I finally kind of hit the wall and started getting like more normal sleep. And now it's kind of re uh, reintroduced itself into my life. Unfortunately, last night was a terrible night's sleep. So my experience now is like two days of bad sleep, one day of good sleep, two days of bad sleep, one day of good sleep. And to your point, sometimes I fall asleep easily but it doesn't matter because I'm up a half hour, 40 minutes later. Sometimes I can't fall asleep either when I want to. So it's 2.30 in the morning. I'm supposed to be up in the morning for work. Then, you know, I think as most people do, then then the mind yep. starts rolling. Then you're overthinking everything. So it becomes this weird, like, uh, tension, you know what I mean? Between your mental self and your physical self. Um but yeah, I mean, if you experience it, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That's been one of the hardest things for me.